Welcome back to another episode of Detroit Dart Talk. We survived our trip through, is it Wilhelmina Walnuts uh, Candy Factory? And uh, we're here to tell you all about it. In the studio today, you have myself, Tim. You've got Tom. I saw, dude. You have Eric. Wallalo. You have Adam. <coughs> and welcoming t- for the first time as our new host, Alex. Hey, everybody. Yay. Um, this is actually just the longest April Fool's con. Mm-hmm. Year long April Fool's suckers. Um, so since the cat's out of the bag, we'll take a minute and cut to a pre-recording of uh, Friday night when we got into Grove City, Pennsylvania, where we sat down with Alex to talk about his new band blasters cage. Or did we? Hey guys, coming at you recorded from Grove City, Pennsylvania, getting ready for uh, Mission Zero Friday night. Uh, Tom and I are here, and Alex is joining us. Hello. Now, it is April 1st, and you guys have probably at this point seen Detroit Dark Talk. (laughs) Um, And Alex is under the impression that we're about to talk about the Band Blasters Banshee Cage. And now he's looking at us weird. What did you do? We didn't do anything yet. Oh, no. (laughs) Um, Tom and I would like to formally extend an offer to you to join us as a regular host. I I formally accept that. Fuck yeah, yeah, buddy. Welcome. Thank you. Now, here's the funny part. In the TikTok that was put out earlier today, Tom and Alex were joking about him being the new host. Hey, I hope you know I, I didn't propose that purely for this. Nice. <laughs> I don't know why people believe me when I say things anymore. <laughs> it's, it's more than always for, for like some ulterior motive. But hey, uh, welcome. You've been around long enough. Well, thank you. Yeah. We, um, we have been talking about this for a while. A few weeks. Well, even longer than that. Yeah, that yeah it's, it's come up every When we were ready for weeks. another host that you were the clear choice. Um, don't cry. I'm and... not crying. I'm happy. <laughs> He's crying. I'm crying, guys. I'm so happy. Um, and just so for transparency's sake, um, Eric will probably not be around as much as he normally is. He, uh, congratulations to him, got a promotion at work. Oh, I didn't. Uh, did you tell us that? Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So in the interest of maintaining our quorum as well as breathing some fresh life into our show because I sometimes feel like Tom and Adam and Eric and I have gotten a little... We've, we've run out of stuff to talk we, about. We've gotten a little complacent. Alex is uh, very much has a fresh take. You are constantly developing new stuff for your store for Detroit Dartworks. Um, you are actively communicating with makers in the hobby, hence our deception of talking about band blasters. Yeah, you guys got me. You guys got me good. Yeah, got your ass. (laughs) But uh, like I said, we've been talking about extending the offer to you for quite a while, and this seemed like the perfect opportunity. So, Thank you, guys. This is uh, makes me really happy. Um, 
you know, as you know, I've enjoyed being part of this, uh, our little community for a while now. And, uh, I'm glad I can help contribute more. You are, uh, you have been a pillar of our community. Oh. Um, and we couldn't be happier that you'll be joining us on the front lines now. <laughs> well, thank you guys. I, I'm very happy to accept. Oh, All right. All right. So when we actually sit down to debrief on the second Grove City Invitational that we've been to, um, you will have three members that are attending to give their, their full input on, uh, rather then you joined us as a guest for talking about the last one, right? Yeah. I yeah. Did. I've been so, on a few episodes yeah, here and there yeah. before. All right. Well, we'll let uh, you guys get back to the main episode in progress. Um, and it probably at this point will be us talking about the invitational. So catch you later. All right. And, uh, Thank you for playing along with, I think, the longest April Fool's joke ever. So uh, let's all give a round of applause for uh, Alex, who will be joining us permanently as uh, uh, our new host, uh, trying to breathe some some fresh life and everything into uh, uh, our show. Yeah, and just pick up our slack. Let's let's be honest. Like <laughs> yeah, sl- my, my slack ass. Yeah. Until death, like a Supreme Court justice. So... Sorry. I don't. I don't think they're there till death either. They're not. I thought. They're I there. mean, yeah. I didn't want to literally just retire. Mm. That's I mean, a really good point. I think. I think the appointment. Yeah, I don't is think we can life. choose to leave. Correct. Once, I'm once, pretty sure. Yeah. Once they're this in, this is they for can't life. Look like Connor. Or they can step back, but they can't be pulled out. Actually, yeah, we don't pull out here. <laughs> no pulling. <laughs> life tenure. There probably there has to be a uh, Connor did not leave. He is still a host. Yeah, we stay in here no matter how messy it gets. We never pull out. Alex makes number six. He is the sixth host. Has he really? Oh, my God, he does. Yeah. Because <laughs> don't you remember the joke I was making when uh, we asked Adam to join? Was he every good Irish band needs a fifth? Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm. All right. So, um, obviously, you know, every, on everybody's mind right now is uh, the Grove City Invitational, which uh, I think everybody... Had, that went had a blast, except for um, maybe one dart dad from Pennsylvania, but whatever. Um, and bike guy, we'll get into bike guy. Um, oh, I, forgot, I did forget about that for a hot yeah. second. Um, let's uh, let's take a minute, um, and we want to start a new segment up, and we have created a. Uh, letters to the host chat uh, on the Discord that is open to everybody uh, to post in. Um, we're going to try and keep it kind of like our show-off chat where there's no real uh, like discussion so we can go back and easily look through the questions. But then our Patreons will get the opportunity to vote, and every episode will take a look and whichever... Um, question has the most votes we will read and discuss quickly on the episode um so i believe skimming back through that uh hazmat's question had the most non-host votes uh and his question is if there's one thing you could change for the betterment of the hobby what would it be and why Oh, uh, not enough escorts. 
Mm. Like the kind you pay money to, and then they go to dinner with you, or you take them out to dinner first. Damn it! I think that's what people say they do. So you want more escort missions? No, no, it's it's prostitutes. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, we got there. I thought we were beating around the bush. Yeah. <laughs> beating something. No, so so for reference, uh, we we did do an escort mission, and uh, I went up to. Mike afterwards and I said, So uh you guys got escorts on this campus, dude? That's pretty cash money. He's like, No, we we don't. It's where you got someone's like Eric it's just like Mike, that's that is not very fun of Get more prostitutes. On a Christian campus. Yeah. It's the world's oldest profession. I'm pretty sure Jesus said I like prostitutes. Jesus it's, loved everybody. Yes, yeah, especially prostitutes. Um legit, I think if there was one thing I could pick, it would be less um, influencers trying to grow their following for the sake of influencing. I agree. I, I think that they absolutely have a place and there are certain things that would not be as big in our hobby if they weren't around, but I think that they um, also create some of the biggest parts, toxic parts of the hobby as well. I'd like to say we need more events. Um, yeah. Yeah. It is. I don't. It is not lost on me the level of effort and risk really on on hosting an event. Like it's a huge undertaking. I, I saw Ragnar Oktoberfest is not going to happen this year, not due to lack of interest, but people just can't make it happen. The hosts or the, the organizers just can't make it happen this year. So that's a major event that's that's off and and separated. Um, I feel a little funny about about how End War. There's there's all these versions of of End War now. The Stop Fight, which is at least a different weekend, or is it not? No, it's the same weekend. But Stop Fight was never intended to be a competitor. It is just an invitational that happens to be yeah. on the same weekend, offering a alternative to people who can't travel. Um, right. Yeah. As far to the far away. Yeah, Garf- and, like and our uncle was- is saying, it's a consolation prize. <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think of the name of uh there's one the the weekend uh following it's university of florida i think is hosting a space fight or stop i don't know i'll I'll find the name and i'll post it in here later but uh more events are good that's what i'm saying and really need a oh it was april fools i totally missed out on that didn't i shoot forget i said anything <laughs> <laughs> just fix it and post i got got Good job, whoever put that together. I got, I got totally got. No, I'm leaving that. That's good. Maybe I'll make that the stinger scene. So, <sighs> so do we get got? Do we have anything else <laughs> to uh, to add to uh, Hazmat's question to the hosts? Let yeah, yes. In fact, let's talk about designer wieners. That is one of the most toxic things when you get into the designer community. Is People, there are some people within the hobby that just swing their big caustic sausage everywhere and just ruin the fun when you post a design or something like that. And it's just like, oh, you could do this, and oh, it's a, that's that thing's not filleted right. No, this is in sheer, and like just people that make other designers upset about stuff. I think that if um, uh, we were more the community the community i will say is really good about jumping on super odd and super weird designs and that's one of the best things about 
the community, but there is some degree of, well, you need to print everything in PETG because PLA sucks and you have to use uh, lithium grease instead of uh, silicone lube. And it's just like, oh boy. Yeah, there's so, definitely some gatekeeping yeah. of the right way to do things. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. and I think that tends to permeate and some people some corners of the hobby are a lot better about there's no wrong way to nerf as long as it's safe than than other corners are and i think the design uh corner of the nerf hobby probably absolutely you're right um i know there was one major designer that recently left the hobby that felt that quite a bit so i've got one Go taking a different tack. I'm gonna. It's a hot take on this one. I if there was one thing I could change, it would be physics, because oh, I think I think there needs to be a physical like limit to how fast ammunition can go in this hobby, because I think we've been pushing it higher and higher and higher, and I don't necessarily think that is for the betterment of the hobby as a whole. Um, I I know. You know, we our parkours locally are 250 cap, and I know a lot of people don't like that. It's too hot, and with blasters that continue to push that higher and higher, you're going to see people who want to play higher and higher, and I think that creates a divide in the hobby between the stock, the HVZ, the ultra stock, and then whatever we want to call 300 FPS games. Um, and I kind of personally think that there should be a limit like a physical limit so that we just stop chasing this uh this cap that i don't think is necessarily healthy for the hobby to chase as much as some parts of it have been that's a very valid point i mean but but who's gonna break 700 fps who's who's gonna be the first boom mocker boom code darts with super glue on the tips ah yes right (laughs) with an hpa rig yeah um uh any other commentary on what's the one thing we would change i think we all had a chance to say our piece all right so moving on um let's take a minute and go around Uh, i know some of us have recent projects uh, others may not but uh, i've got a, a little list of stuff that i wanted to touch on uh first of all we have a new boomer staff for z13 um courtesy of a generous benefactor. Um, I 3D printed a demon skull and attached it to this extending uh, Ray's staff uh, from the Blade Builder set. So we now actually have a modular boom staff that I can put other heads on if, as I find appropriate and suitable. Is, is that for the BFZ game or just in general? Just in general. Um, what I kind of like about this one is it's shorter than our current, or, you know, our normal boomer staff, um, which there are sometimes uh, places where I end up booming where I don't have room to really even, you know, get the boomer staff up above my head. I, I have been actually just, okay, touched the zombie head to respawn rather than trying to run around me uh, very often recently. So, um so excited to see how that does on April 30th, which is our next C13. Uh, completed Milo's Griffin, and I was able to field test that um, on Friday night at Grove City, 
which it performed beautifully. So I'm excited for him to get to use that on the 30th. That'll be his first um, Z13. He turned 10 um, last month. Um, let's see what else. Uh, we have a logo for Dirty Darts Flung Dirt Cheap because uh, uh, we were going to revive that because Sunday was going to be a competitive um, tournament, uh, but the weather did not cooperate. Um, so eventually there will be patches for at least, uh, people who have been members of Dirty Darts. Um, let's see what else. Um, I got a new organizer system that, uh, if you follow our Instagram, you've already seen. Um, but, uh, I spent some adult money on a Milwaukee packout system. <laughs> thank you. No, thank you. Curse you, well, GSP. Um, <laughs> Actually, I've been talking with GSP a while ago um, because I was thinking about getting uh, one of those like modular connectable organizer systems. I was in um, Harbor Freight getting cheap drawers and stuff for Sebastian and Milo's Legos to organize all that stuff. And I had noticed they have, you know, their El Cheapo knockoff version of a organizer system. I was like, that could be cool for like, you know, put my blasters in that one. I could put all my um, tactical gear in that one. And I started talking to GSP and he, and he convinced me very easily that the Milwaukee packout system just blows all the competition away. And it really does. Um, all the other ones really kind of connect just by like latches coming up and over, uh, nubs. Um, and in my mind, a, a fastening system like that is just going to wear out over time. Cause you're, you're, you know, frictioning, nubs over nubs and it just uh you know wears out uh but the milwaukee packout system uses a set of almost like tongue and grooves and then there is a pin a spring-loaded pin in the front that keeps them all in place so it's actually a mechanical um securement rather than just friction fit and it is awesome it's also extremely high quality um I believe dimensions uh, on most of their things are bigger than the competitors. Um, and then there is aluminum rails on the sides of most of them that uh, uh, Alex and Eric provided me with some um, help and files to create custom attachments. So I have uh, these two, um, basically it's a talon uh, on a stick or on a um, uh, bracket, so I can rack a couple of larger blasters on the side uh, using the magwell. And then uh, I have a uh, magnetic holster style uh, holder for you know one of my smaller blasters, like my Magnus or my Hammershot on the one side as well. So uh, I, came, I rolled into mission briefing at Grove City in style, um, and I couldn't be happier with this thing. It uh, organizes everything. It's it's all in one place. I was really happy with uh, the amount of space that this thing has. I was able to get like everything I wanted and just um, into it and basically just roll into mission briefing with that. And um, I did have another bag, but that was because I made a bunch of warp sayas for um, somebody who's listening right now um, out of matching ABS to their super spam. So... Brain, I hope that you enjoy them. Uh, they, I think they're the best of the three versions that are out there. They kind of took 
some of the best parts of the ver- first version and the second version. You made a you've done a lot of projects. I I, I was very busy the week before Grove City. Uh, Yikes! There's one other thing on my list, but I'll I'll come back to that once we've gotten through uh, because it kind of ties in. So I know that Alex has had some projects. Alex, why yeah. don't you hit us up? Yeah, I've had a lot. So uh, in the lead up to Grove City, I was building some Mayflies, the Maverick conversions, uh, flywheel conversions, um, which I ran at, well, I ran one of them at Grove City until something terrible happened to it, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure. Um, I got a Band Blasters Banshee cage for my Spectrum and got that running and working, oh, sort of working. Um, and let's see. I also bought a new organizer case thing, although not as fancy as Tim's, uh, but definitely made hauling blasters easier, even though I ended up needing more than just that because I brought so many blasters to Grove City. Um, those were my big ones I did beforehand. Oh, and I got my, I converted a, a Meeker Griffin to half length, uh, which did okay. It had some jamming issues towards the end, but overall did okay. Um and then I've got a few things on my list for upcoming too. Um, I've got to repair my Mayfly, and uh, I'm sure, as most people know by now, uh, Captain Slug is going to be closing up shop. So I decided to give him a w- money one more time. Uh, and not necessarily the biggest fan of a lot of his designs, just as a personal preference. But I did buy a, a hyper hardware kit, a little uh, single shot. And uh, some of his slug slime lube, just because I was low on lubricant for my springer. So I'm going to put that together in the near future. And then uh, just a few other things that are hush-hush that I'm going to beta test for some people and things like that. So a lot of printing in my future. Cool. I feel like I feel like there was another project. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless I spaced out when you mentioned it. Um, and maybe you don't want this talked about and I apologize and I can cut it out, but the, um, the part that Cody was testing for you. Oh yeah. I completely forgot about that. Cause it was kind of just so quick. Um, yeah, Cody, uh, our good friend was getting his spam ready or his super spam ready for Grove city and broke his stock point. Um, which is one of the things I have on my shop. And so we were talking about it and he said, it's kind of offhand mentioned, you know, oh, I would really like it if there was a version of this that didn't have a stock point. It just had a little sling mount, like a loop on it. And I said, oh yeah, that's totally doable. I hadn't even thought about that. And I, he just caught me at the perfect time. I already had, I was already at the computer. So like within an hour, I sent him one to uh, test print and it held up really good all weekend. Um, he had a few recommendations for kind of like an alternate version of it that I'm also going to do. But uh, he, I feel like if Cody couldn't break it running around like hardcore mode all weekend, that it was probably a pretty solid design. So yeah, that was my other thing. So spam sling points are coming soon. Yay. Sweet. Yeah. His plunger broke, but that wasn't me. I believe someone else's plunger here also broke. No, no, no. So Cody's plunger didn't break. I oh, know, it's right. Slide. It slide. Yeah. Yeah. So that was yeah, Adam's that's, fault. That's the only person whose spams broke. And we're not going to talk about anyone else's spams that broke. 
You're... Why not? Because there was such a great no. moment where no, someone... no one else is spamf broke. No one else. Nothing. Someone, no one else someone who will go and name spamf uh, broke, and they needed a new plunger, and they were all sad. And did I you see to... how? Did you see how badly it broke too? Yeah, it was horrible. It oh, was it like, like shattered into like three, like three or four pieces. It was so bad. But I had this epiphany where I remembered I had a spamf plunger, like skinny pusher. Yeah, a pusher, the skinny pusher printed up and in my lipo bag of all things from months and months ago that I printed for someone and they never like, got from me. And so I just like, I was like, hang on and just like dramatically pulled it out and was the savior of the day for about five minutes. It was amazing. When then, only and then five I realized minutes? that, um, did it break again? <clears throat> only five minutes. Well, then I realized that my spam now has parts from, uh, four of the hosts in it. Because <laughs> it's got the original kit that Tim printed, the um, original slide kit that I printed, the upgraded slide kit that Adam printed, and now a, another tube that uh, Alex printed. Oh man, what can I make then? Um, you gotta uh, get on uh, it. him a special uh, kit. I think he needs a sling point. He needs a sling point. There you go. Print me an NFT. I'll, make, I'll we'll take your blaster and make we'll it an NFT. You an NFT. Yeah, would you like your face as an NFT? We could probably yes. raise fun- funds with that. I'm sure somebody will give us about 350 Probably. He needs to be wearing the tacticini, though. Oh, yeah, buddy. How else are we going to pay for it? <laughs> Sell just, that NFT. Know, the nipple tape. Oh, yeah. Nipple tape. All right. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> God. Who else has projects? Not it. No skin. I played. I, I played with something at at home, which we haven't had a chance to really talk about yet. But um, I, I put my. <laughs> we need to talk about. It. I played with something. Um, no, I got my milsig. Um, I don't know if this is really the right place to talk about it, but I attached things to my milsig, and I went through the break-in process and use of my milsig. So I, I I attached things to it. You know, that's that's a project. No, it's I, I don't know if we, we haven't really talked about this, but it's going to be completely old news. So by the time we get to it, but uh, it, it I got it. It arrived with a bunch of damage and I oh. fixed I fixed the one thing that was like stupid broken. And um, the other things I just I took a file to and ground off the issues and and a Dremel and uh and then I got it lubed up and started playing with it, and it was awesome. Um, it feels great in hand. Everything about the actual product is great. The delivery, the handling, all of that was awful. Um, but uh, the product itself, once I got it fixed up, worked like a charm. Worked perfectly. In fact, it was super freaking fun. Um, I think I had I had maybe one jam, but clearing a jam is super simple. So you mean uh, you, you ran the yeah. right regulator and didn't have any issues? I just ran CO2. Um, I shot a couple hundred, like 300 darts. I think I put 300 darts through it. And all on a single large format CO2 tank. So, um, yeah, it worked great. It was awesome. It was so fun. Like, it is a very satisfying mechanism. It feels premium and feels good in hand. I mean... I swapped out the grip to a, a Magpul grip I already had and um, put a put an actual scope on it because the first time I shot it, I it, it traveled 
I, I aimed it just ever so slightly upwards and it went at least 300 feet because it cleared my back fence line and was in the woods, like the deep woods out back, like just gone. Um, I shudder to think so how I, many darts are, are out in the woods behind my property right now. Yeah. <laughs> I actually found some I mowed the other day and I accidentally cut up a couple darts that were like in the grass. <laughs> that was fun. That's how you know you're at a nerf house. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's super fun. I mean, I can talk more details about it later, but uh, it was, uh, it was. I mean, the actual, once I got it running, it was awesome. It needs some, the thing that makes me excited about it, it for the future is like, not that I'll ever get to use it in a real war, <laughs> but it is a mod platform for fun. Um, it, it definitely is inaccurate as it stands. It, it needs barrel uh, breaching modifications. It could use some 3D printed parts for fun to make it dress, like dress up the look a little bit. Um, but it is, it's just kind of an expensive fun toy and I have a, I've had a blast every time I've picked it up. No pun intended. Pun might've been intended. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tom, you got any projects recently? Yeah. No, no. Adam? Not really. No, it's all right. We'll, uh, we'll expect to see something fresh out of you for Z13 at the end of the month. Yeah. Well, should we get into uh, our main topic then and uh, and let everybody know what we thought about Grove City and, and, and regale Eric and Adam with what they missed out on? Let's do this. All right. Um, so first of all, anybody that listened to our previous um, debrief on a Grove City game uh, will remember that we talked about quite a few suggestions, and I am so proud to report back that I think all of them were taken to heart and almost all of them implemented. Uh, I was told there was one that specifically wasn't. I don't know what it is. Uh, I was waiting until after we recorded this episode to to ask uh, what that one thing was. But uh, they, uh, they clearly listened to all of the feedback, not only from us, but uh, from other veterans in the community. And what was already a great event I think went um a hundred times better. And so Alex, you are the only host that was with us last time. So yes. do you concur? A hundred percent. Um I had a lot of fun last time. You know, I am newer to HVZ than most of you guys. Um so I had not as much preconceptions in a way. Um but I had a lot of fun last time and coming in this time like the things that i i wouldn't say i was unhappy with last time but the things that i felt could have been improved upon last time were i think across the board all improved upon so yeah they definitely did an awesome job of incorporating feedback for this event yeah very much um i think the biggest thing was they built in ways to scale and adjust the missions on the fly um, which made for a much smoother running game. Um, and we'll get to a specific instance where we thought maybe things were starting to go south, um, but we should have trusted the process. Um, Tom, what were your first thoughts on Grove City? Uh, very interesting campus. Right? Yeah. It, everything was relatively close together building-wise. So there weren't there weren't... Man, I mean, I take that back. There were like open quads that like you could play in, but there was also like a lot of 
just close cover. together cover. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for anybody that's played at Athens, like Athens has a couple of really steep, hilly areas. Uh, Grove City is deceiving because it's just so ever slightly uphill or downhill, no matter where you're walking. So by the end of the day, you're beat. And yeah. and they did a good job of taking us around most of campus. We didn't spend nearly as much time um, in lower campus, which I was a little bummed about. But the couple of times we did go down there, it was very muddy and soggy. So I guess I'm not <laughs> too sad about it. Um. Should we get in and break down the missions? Yeah, let's do it. So the first thing, the first thing they did. Oh, sorry, Mike. Microphone. Um, was that the first thing they took to heart was having a true mission zero where Friday night didn't count, and you guys can hear me open up my map so I can look at it as we're talking. But um. So Friday night was mission zero. Um, it was intended to be a freebie so you could, you know, run around and learn the campus and not have to worry about keeping yourself alive because there were no consequences for the following day. And refresh my memory, we had seven or eight different spots on campus where there might have been an objective. Is that what it was? Sounds I think it was right. more it was more like ten. Okay. Yeah. But some so there were purple stars drawn on the map in the briefing room and some of them had NPCs where we could go do a quest and other ones were just empty, right? Correct. So, so you had to go explore to find which ones they were. You weren't guaranteed to find an NPC. Right. So our group, which was dubbed Brotroit, um, we had <laughs> uh all of our good friends from the Ohio HVZ scene, Youngstown and um, Bowling Green and, and maybe a little bit of Pittsburgh, Brotroitsburg. <laughs> um, and the Pittsburgh Annex, there we go. Um, so we were kind of running as a squad. We picked up a few um, uh, legitimate bros from the lacrosse team at uh, Grove City who ran oh, with us Friday love night. Love flags, bros. Yeah, those guys are cool. Um, and did we make a beeline for lower campus or did we hit a couple of spots on upper campus first? We went straight to lower as far as I remember. I th yeah, I think you're right. So mission briefing was um, not in the same building that mission one's briefing was last year. It was um, just a couple buildings down, I think. Uh, yeah, like three buildings away or something. Yeah. Um, so a little bit more centrally located to upper campus. Um, so we came out and, um, one of the cool things about this building was there was like a little courtyard and then an arch that was very effective for zombies setting up ambushes if they were being intelligent about it. But, uh, so we came out of the building and made a beeline for, um, rainbow bridge. And we went over into lower campus cause there were three stars in that area. There was one at the fire pit gazebo area, which is where final stand took place last time. Uh, there was one, um, I believe it is, uh, colonial apartments. They're the uh, apartments that are in the horseshoe shape. And then there is one at, um, the, uh, think brain think, um, yeah, Carnegie alumni center. Think. Um, so we checked the fire pit, gazebo area and that was a bust we checked uh the colonial apartments that was a bust and we make it over to 
the Carnegie Alumni Center, and we see a broom and a bucket and some props and stuff, but the, the NPC had apparently effed off. Uh, uh, and our mod was like, I, I don't know. So we, we held there for a little bit, got the official word that um, that they had taken off, and then what did we... We went back to... Did we do another NPC, or did we go to the... No, we we went back across the river on the highway bridge, and that first building right there across from the little parking lot we parked at had the Simon Says NPC. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, oh, Princess Cantaloupe. Yes. Yes. So it, it, I guess we should back up for a minute. So the theme of this was <laughs> um, a take on Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory or uh, Charlie and the chocolate factory. I think it was more Willy Wonka than Charlie because it was a little bit more whimsical um, than kind of creepy. Well, I mean, let's face it. Willy Wonka (laughs) version is creepy too. It just in a different way. Um, So yeah, we, we find this NPC who um, princess cantaloupe was, she was the head of R and D or something, right? Correct. Yeah. And so she had us play Simon Says, um, and I'm pretty sure the intent was she's trying to get us to trip up while zombies are attacking us, but the zombies all... Uh, there were no zombies. Uh, ...attacking other hold points. So she she gave us a bunch of weird, wa- weird random commands, and we had to dance around, and uh, so, uh, somebody had to do a push-up, so one of the lacrosse guys got down on and, and did a one-handed push-up, you know, flexing and... And she dismissed us, and then we went to the union rally because the the whole like storyline was that the workers at uh, Wilhelmina Walnuts Candy Factory were talking about unionizing, and so the management was trying to prevent that, and uh, we were employees or temps or something, so we were sent out to go gauge different employees to, uh, stances on unionizing or something. I think on Friday we were actual employees. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then based on what happens next on Saturday, we were the replacements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we were the scabs. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so the, the final part of mission zero was defending the steps of Oh, uh, what building was that? Building eight, Rockwell Hall of Science, which is a pretty nice. Uh, it's it's at the end of the big green. Um, if you guys remember us talking about like, um, going down a green, trying to keep our ourselves away from any of the building signs because it was sign spawn, and then there was a volleyball game going on. That that's the big green we're talking about, and at the um, the east end is the science building. Um, that has a really nice like flat front with a nice um, stairway going up and some you know bushes and trees and stuff on the sides makes for a very good uh, hold the point defense you know building against your back type area um, so um, who was the one that was giving the speech was it Wilhelmina Walnut or was it one of the other ones it was Wilhelmina Walnut all right um, which is interesting because it's her factory and she's supporting unionization anyways um so we had to defend her against the zombies while she was giving a unionization speech um 
and they had let's see they had two boomers of did they have any other they had some tanks didn't they yeah they had tanks that night yeah um and it culminated in the boomer going infinite boom and just full sending the entire zombie horde until we wiped so it was a good way to see campus you know they had uh having um you know, a bunch of points where there may or may not have been an NPC was a nice way to get people to spread out and go check out, you know, all of the different high and low points in campus. So that was kind of cool. I did find out what happened to our NPC uh, from the mod. They were under, uh, they were mis- they misunderstood and thought that the mission could only be done once. I had heard that. And yeah. yeah, so they, a group did it right before we got there. And then the NPC went back to their dorm. It's kind of what I had figured had happened. Um, yeah. Which... which kind of brings, if we're doing any constructive feedback, that's my first point is just double, triple, quadruple. Make sure you have told people very clearly different things like, are the missions repeatable? Do you need to stay the entire time? Uh, just because it's something that's very, it's easy, it's easy to have happen, but it's also, there are things you can do to mitigate that. Yeah, this is not the first instance I've heard of of an NPC leaving their post. I'm sure it won't be the last. No, not at all. So, um, Tom, anything to add for the mission zero? Mission zero is pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah pretty. pretty... I mean, he he told us he would kill us all off, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah, yeah we had fair warning that we would not survive that night. Yeah, and you shouldn't survive mission zero. Um, it's intended to be a, a warm up and a get to see around campus and this did that very well yep so mission one started at 8 a.m and ugh, after running around friday night and then maybe celebrating a little bit that was a little bit rough um, but my lovely yeah, wife good. my lo- lovely wife bribed her way out of having to play with us by going grocery shopping and having like a full spread breakfast ready for us when we got up that was a fair trade i agree we'll get her to play next time <laughs> yep. Um, so we get there from mission one and you know, roll in our, our packs and, and getting all loaded up and more people are rolling in um because they were just coming in for the day or whatever. Um, you know, we met up with the rest of Brotroit, um Brotroitsburg. And mission one was it was similar in layout to um mission zero was there were multiple points around campus but this one was kind of side quest similar to what they did last time and they took our advice of doing like a a quest board there was at the back of the um briefing room there was a cork board with a bunch of envelopes so we um what was our first side quest did oh the uh the um boom witch right Yes, yeah. We, yeah. we went straight for the chonky zombie. Right. So um, they Grove City does light, medium, and heavy ammo. And heavy ammo um, is necessary to take out what they refer to as chonky zombies, which are like hybrids of two um, special zombies, like a boomer and a witch, or a uh, tank and a... I'm trying to think of any other chonkies that we saw uh they're mostly boomers and something else because there was a boomer in a tank right no boomer in a 
There was a boomer and a witch, and then what was the one? Maybe it was just a tank that was later on. Anyways. The uh, other the other one was sort of like a pseudo chonky. It was a Boeing tank. Okay. So Buff had one of the XL blasters and Alex had his uh, Meeker um, knockout mega XL thing. And did we have anything else? I think that was it. I think that was it. And I gave mine to, I believe it was Tom, right? Or Cody, one of the two. Oh, you gave it to me. Yeah, because yeah, I didn't have a hand to use it with. So we went in, we dealt with that one. We got there and we had to wait because another team had the same mission. And I guess that's where one of my first bits of constructive criticism comes in is the mini mission, like the the setup on the board and everything was fantastic. I wish they had predetermined how many groups they would split the humans up into and only have that many missions available and not have any duplicates up and available on the board at the same time. You know, space it out a little bit because we we got there and the first team was doing the Chonky Zombie mission. So by the time they were done, we already knew what we needed to do. We already knew the mechanic of how the Chonky Zombie worked and uh it was um you know there were, there was no trial and error, no real um fuck around and find out danger um so I, I i wish that there had been a mechanic in place to prevent us from both going to the chonky zombie at the same time like um you know don't put out any duplicates and then win the first because they had cards that had to get signed by the moderator running each uh side quest you know so maybe put the second card for the chonky zombie up when the first one get turned in or something like that that was my thought too um, and then what was, oh, we did the, um, factory tour. There was a tour guide taking us on a tour of the factory, um, which basically just took us in a, not really a square, but like just a walk around the main part of upper campus. Uh, I think the idea there was if people had gotten turned to zombies, it would be a little more threatening, Yeah, but there were still pretty much, I think only the starter zombies at that point, which was that when we ran into Bike Zombie or Bike Zombie ran into me? Uh, yes. Yeah. So we're we're on the yeah the, right because yeah it was it was the girl doing a the because um, I had already had my encounter with Bike Zombie before they got right because Bike Zombie was in the courtyard with the Chonky Zombie and he spawned yeah. too close to you. Yeah, he so, spawned five feet away from me and then asked me after the fact when he didn't get me buff. Uh, Buff Daddy Nerf actually managed to still shoot him when he spawned five feet from me. Um, and then he asked me, what's 30 feet? And I looked at him and at that point I said, you're about 10 feet from me, buddy. <laughs> like, like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So we're on the factory tour and walking. We had like t- done the first leg. Uh, I guess that would be east. And so then we were going north um in the like square that they were walking us and there we had previously seen this zombie riding a bike around and and it was covered and and actually didn't he specifically ask about bikes in mission briefing yeah he was the one who asked if he could ride his bike and they said you the rule was if you, you can use it to get around campus but when you exit any vehicle including a bicycle you have to wait for the respawn timer to come up before you can play yeah. So essentially, you need to deband, 
you can use it to get to a new location, but then you can't just instantly be in play. Yeah. So we're walking down the, um, the sidewalk in campus heading North, um, on like the second leg of the tour. And all of a sudden the bike zombie starts headed towards us and everybody's like, look out bike, bike. And instead of slowing down or, or turning away, he actually sped up and it was kind of uphill. So he probably was trying to keep momentum and he thought we were going to pass, but ended up running right into me, hitting me. And I was kind of stepping back as it happened. So I wasn't injured. Um, and, uh, it did make contact with my FDL. So the immediate, uh, response was I'm all right. And then I start looking at the blaster and it too, luckily was all right. Cause I kind of pulled the hit. Um, and so he kind of just hopped on his bike and sped off, but there were two moderators with us and, and, uh, is his name Sam? I keep, I just keep calling him rust. Cause that was his yeah. NPC name last time. Yeah. Before the guy got on his bike and ran off, Sam laid into him verbally. <laughs> yeah. Sam, I like Sam. He's yeah. awesome. Sam is good. And so Sam laid into bike zombie a little bit and then immediately got on, uh, the phone with the head moderator and this apparently wasn't the first time they had had issues. So he was ejected from the game, not kicked out of the club. Um, but which I would have probably spoken up about. I, I always think people deserve. More so points. they, they are kicking him out of the club. Oh, okay. Well, I'll cut they, that cause this, he'd done this many, many times. All so right. well. at least that's, that's from what I understood from when I, when I spoke with Mike. Long story short, we had a, a near miss on vehicles will kill you for real. <laughs> so we finished the escort mission and then we, we finished down by the flagpole at the west end of the main green there. And then didn't some people go down onto lower campus? Yeah, a group went down and crossed the rainbow bridge, the footbridge um, over the river there. And uh, they saw some... Uh, some of the MacGuffins that we were supposed to right, collect, the golden right, eggs. Right, right, right. Yes, you I, could see them from a, across the river, glinting in the field. Yeah, so maybe this um, is a good time to talk about that. Uh, yes. Heading out to mission one, they talked about how there were, and they they kind of described them like dossiers, like there were a yeah, bunch they were of dossiers, basically, bunch of golden eggs hidden all around campus, and it would be a good thing for us to collect them because the. It, geeses that lay the golden eggs had gotten out and left a bunch of golden eggs around. Um, and there wasn't anything in them. They were just golden colored Easter eggs hidden all around campus. They had a piece of tape that said Grove city urban gaming club or whatever. Um, so I know that a couple people from bro Troy, like specifically went egg hunting and <laughs> was it Daisy or Ian Daisy came back with like 32 of them. Yeah. And then 35. I think, yeah, I think Ian yeah. found like another 18 or something. Um, so <laughs> pro Troit was responsible for over half of, cause there was a hundred of them hidden. Uh, 150. 150. It was actually 150 is what I was told. Oh, okay. But they recovered, I think, about 80 of them yeah, over the course eight, of the day. Yeah, there were 80 by yeah. the end of the day. And and we'll come back to why that's important. Um, so, yeah, so some people went down on the lower campus because they saw some uh, some golden eggs. And then there was a boomer and 
and a couple of zombies and I think there were a boomer and two zombies and then there was three humans. So they were easily able to hold off the, that rush, collect a few eggs and then come back up. And then did we call it a, po- a, a day at that point? Because I know we were getting close to lunch at that point. Yeah, mission was like we were run out of time on that mission um, at that point. So we went back to briefing. Yeah. Um. So I guess here is my next bit of constructive criticism. Well, I guess not really constructive criticism because it worked fine how it was. Um, I think if they were going to do the mini missions, I wish they had done it more along the lines of how they did it last time where it was just one period for these mini missions and for lunch. Cause that kind of drew some of the firepower off of campus last time. And that's when there were some zombie kills. Um, it also was really nice because your stragglers that came in late could just jump in and, and start doing missions again. Um, I think the mini mission, uh, I, I, I wish that it would get used more well, and maybe it will now, but, um, Grove City is the first group I've really seen, um, like wholeheartedly embrace mini missions, um, like that. But I think the way they did it in October was a little bit better. Cause like I said, um, making that lunchtime as well. And you can do mini missions as long as you want and then go get food or go get food first and then come back and do mini missions or, you know, however you want to do it. But having a longer period of time where those are going, um, and incorporating it into the same time where lunch needs to be eaten kind of forces the hand of most people um, who are going to go eat, and it forces the human forces to diminish on campus, which gives zombie a little the zombies a little bit better time. So part of why they did it early was actually, I believe, a conversation I had last fall with Mike uh, after or during the fall invitational, and. Um, they had delayed the start a little bit because they were waiting for some people to get there. Maybe or maybe not including Detroit who was running a little bit late. Um, and they had kind of delayed the start of their game. And I had made the comment that I thought maybe having a, almost like a mission zero, but like a, like the side quest mission essentially at that point would be a good way to counteract late arrivals. You know, and that's so true. That they wouldn't have to wait. And because... I think that, they incorporated that and that's why they had it set this way. And, and I guess that makes sense because mission one or cause the mini missions were mission two in October. Mm-hmm. Um, so did we do mission two before lunch then? We did. Uh, wait, no mission two and three were between lunch and yeah. dinner. So yeah. they still could have mission one I mean, just happened to run pretty long. They would have had to plan properly so that their mods could eat lunch. But I think if they had, continued mission one into the lunch period uh it might have helped because on the way back from lunch uh we had a little bit of a poopy pants moment uh we were walking back to uh the briefing room and we see uh their head zombie mod who was playing boomer during the missions but he was just banded up as a regular zombie and it was like okay we can handle this and we start to get closer, and then four more zombies come out of the side uh, uh, alley of between two of the buildings. And it was like, okay, we actually need to strategize. So we grouped up, and we were able to safely make it back. But you know, that's the the kind of the the idea that I'm suggesting they should do is if they coordinate getting 
the humans to go off campus during those missions, it might give the zombies a, a little bit better chance to get some kills in. My understanding was that during the free play periods between the missions is when a lot of the the few early humans that did get caught got caught during that point. Um, and I think it's also important to note that we had dropped most of our gear to go get food. So yeah. we were all pretty much running like hammer shots. Yep. You know, just whatever we could keep lightly on us and uh, take. So I think we all were a little nervous right at first because we didn't have our high powered, high ammo loadouts. And then once we kind of formed up, we realized, oh, wait, this isn't, you know, as a group, we're not under threat here. And we were able to get there. Uh, Cody had a bit of a close call, though, right then, if I remember, because he kind of yeah. got out of position when he didn't realize we were going all the way back to towards the parking lot to kind of form up and get the stragglers. And he got left up on a hill by a building. And as Cody does, manage to, I think, fight off five zombies with a spamf. So he had a spamf yeah, and he good. had a hammer shot. I remember he set down the hammer shot for some reason, but because there were... I th- did he maybe think that I think he thought that the head mod was acting as a boomer when he was just a regular zombie. Yeah. I think he just set it down so that he could, cause the spamp had more ammo yeah. and he needed two hands to prime it. Yeah. That makes sense. But yeah, that was, that was fun. I really, really enjoyed that, that moment. That little was just completely organic. Not, had nothing to do with mission structure. Yep. It, it really made that moment. And then from that point on, we were talking about, I wonder who's going to get caught by this ambush because they kept setting up that ambush for humans coming back from lunch. Yeah. Well, and I, I, they started to come in with us. I was like, no, you should go continue to do that. At least a couple of yeah. them. Um, cause at, and, and at one point we talked about gearing up and going out to help escort humans in. I was like, no, wait, let's let the zombies get some food. And like brain says, zombies got to eat too. Yeah. So, um, so that was a really cool little, um, encounter. And then, Mission two. What was mission two? Let me write right down. Mission two. Uh, the main mission, I believe, was to go find uh, Wilhelmina Walnut and escort her right. back to the steps from the night before where she had made her speech. But there was a side quest involving some chocolate bunnies oh, yeah. that had escaped. And so our group chose to, of course, go test ourselves with you know, what's potentially a very dangerous zombie and um, go do that. And it turned out not to be, it turned out to just be a kind of fun mechanic and we got it done pretty quick. So I kind of guarded the entrances. Um, Cause this is the same place where the tank rodeo was in October that most of the humans wiped at. Um, yes. So I didn't really see a whole lot of what was going on in there. So what was it? Um, you were in there. Do you want to tell about it? I wasn't there. Oh, you weren't there for that one? No, that was that was when I was on yeah, the other side. Yeah, he he and uh, oh, that's right. And Daisy and a few others went scouting. That's right. Okay, so well, because we, there were like different locations where um, Wilhelmina could have been, so we we kind of went off and tried to see if we could find them. Gotcha, gotcha. So all right, so we go in and there are three special zombies there, and we are given the the briefing, you know, quickly by the moderator that there's essentially a tank. And there are these two uh, chocolate bunny <laughs> zombies. Um, the chocolate bunnies shouldn't even be really counted as zombies. They couldn't tag you. Um, they were what I, someone in the Ohio crew, it might have been brain, called boing zombies. So if you shoot them with a 
mega dart or throw a sock at them, they will go in the direction the dart was traveling or that projectile was traveling. So they don't come at you. They go away and you had to guide them onto a pressure plate. Um, All the while there is a actual tank roaming the courtyard. Um, But I think we had enough people and enough experience and firepower and ammo that uh, two or three just took the tank on a walk to the other end of that courtyard and just kind of played catch with him down there. And the rest of us just kind of corralled the bunnies one at a time and would throw a sock or shoot them. And they would go in that direction for about two seconds. And then they would try to dart in another direction, much like a rabbit might. Um, So it was, it was a very fun, quick mechanic. Um, Wasn't too hard to master with the numbers we had. We had enough people, you know, running socks that we just continued to guide them. Um, I think it took us about five, 10 minutes to get them maybe five minutes to get them on the squares. And so it was a nice, easy, but task, not really any threat, but a very fun little mini game to play. Yeah. I didn't see what was going on. Cause, uh, Pinnell and, um, uh, Dan and I stayed out, um, outside the archways to make sure that no zombies came in to box you guys in. Yeah. We were like, uh, I think Gargonkle just mentioned this in the chat. We were inside. We're waiting on some sort of surprise to happen. We thought there would be some other special or some other zombies or the, I was expecting the chocolate bunnies to suddenly turn on us once they got on the pressure plate or something like that, it, but they did. It would have been a, a great place to set an ambush like that. Cause there's uh, two archways, uh, both on the same side of the building. And other than that, there's no easy way out. So like if yeah. they had flanked and come in from both sides, you were trapped. So the three of us, we stayed at one archway, but we could see both. So if um, uh, enemy forces had come up to try and go in the other one, we would have been able to uh, intercept them. So we finished that up, and then I think we ran into Xavier's team, who was escorting Wilhelmina Walnut. Yeah, I think it was like almost all the rest of the humans... Maybe a group or two weren't there yet, but it was the big group, the, the the human horde, if you will, had found her and were escorting her. So yeah, we joined up with that crowd. Yeah, and I think you went rear guard. Yes, and I actually ended up kind of accidentally going vanguard uh, with Wilhelmina Walnut uh, because we had radios, and I felt like that would be a smart play to have one of us up front. So we could kind of call back and say what was going on, you know. Yeah, our radios were really effective this time. Like, sometimes I feel like they aren't worth the hassle, but uh, I think we made good use of them this time around. We definitely did. So. And yeah, I helped steer the the main humans to continue moving forward and not worry about the rear guard because we had the, you know, really the the hvz all-star squad veterans back there just defending the line so the zombie horde never had a chance to get close to the npc because they if they tagged her we lost the mission um and so there was maybe three zombies scattered ahead of us normal zombies on their rolling restarts that really could do nothing um so i just kind of kept i tried to keep the humans together and just not worrying about going back and defending because you guys had that line held tight. Yeah. Um, 
So we, we get her back and, and that was the end of mission two, right? There was a, there was a hold, oh, right. I believe, um, at the stair, the same steps, but it, I don't think anyone got turned. If I'm remembering, right. maybe one. Person. Well, and that's, that's where I was about to go is this mission had a very low, if not non-existent kill count. Um, which is kind of scary leaving mission two of a four mission invitational, you know, not counting final stand. Uh, you should have, I, I feel like you should have about 25% of your humans turned by the end of mission two. And we had almost none. So I was really kind of worried because there was just such overwhelming firepower. I mean, th- th- it was kind of like um, uh, Athens where it was just overwhelming firepower and, and poor Logan tank um, just kept adding more armor because he couldn't compete. Um, so like we were starting to formulate suggestions to help uh, them get their their zombie um, count up. And and Mike was like, no, the, the next one's designed to uh, to to get some kills. So don't worry well, about it. We're good. I I Mike was, a, I think, a little concerned. He was. Um, and I found out after the fact he did make some tweaks. Yeah, he took about he said he took about 30 minutes and talked to his team and they came up with a plan. And a group of us had actually offered to just drop our gear and go zombie. Uh, if they needed the numbers and he said, he came back and said, thanks for the offer, but we're good. I think we've got a plan. Yeah. And, and boy, did they, <laughs> it, it worked smooth, flawlessly. Like I did not know that he had made tweaks until after the in- invitational was over and you couldn't tell like it, the, what they changed worked into their plan flawlessly. Um, so we get back cause that was after no, no, no. Yeah. Mission two. All right. Sorry. That was after lunch. Right. So we go out and well, no. So Mike completes the mission briefing and it, there is a lot going on in this mission. So, um, Cody gets up and like starts coordinating all of the humans. Like he took charge, like to the point where even captain Xavier who came over and was listening and looking at our big map and, and, um, you know, helping to um, strategize, just kind of gave Cody the floor and let him run with it. And, and the piano bench, as it were. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was up on a bench. I mean, it was, it was inspirational. It, it was very uh, inspiring and, yeah. and, and he had good strategies. So let's see, there were multiple parts. So the first part was, a two things going on at once um, uh, part of this mission. So the main part of the humans had to go down and stand on pressure plates uh, to, uh, to uh, perform a ritual because Wilhelmina Walnut had not been acting right. Um, and they believed that she was, bitten or cursed or, or possessed or something. Um, so they had to, how long was it? They had to stand on the pressure plates for 10 minutes. It was, yeah. 20 pressure plates for 10 minutes. And if they stepped off oh. any single pressure plate, the whole timer reset. Now this uh, is a throw out or throwback or shout out to Bowling Green's uh, movie night mission or movie night invitational. 
uh, the one where I died to the weeping angel. Um, cause it very similar mechanic, um, that, you know, they did it as an odd to Bowling Green's game. Um, so the bulk of the human forces went there. They had 20 people to stand on plates and then another 16 or so to, yeah. um, to defend the people on the plates because it was, uh, the plates were spread around fully a quarter or about a half of that green. So it was a large space and there were pool noodle zombies and, uh, a couple of shield zombies. And, uh, there was, I think there was a few tanks and a few volatiles. There were volatiles. I don't think the tanks were down there. I, th- or maybe they were. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now a volatile for those that aren't aware, uh, is immune to, regular ammo or small ammo at this uh in this rule set so small ammo consists of half and full length darts rival and uh vortex um so they're immune to those ammos um so you have to use uh medium or large ammo which medium ammo is megas and socks and large ammo is mega xl and rockets um and that'll that'll be important in in a minute when we tell you what we were dealing with on the far end of the green. Um, we had to wait a minute. Am I misremembering? Because we were um, holding and protecting Wilhelmina Walnut. Wilhelmina Walnut was at the the opposite end of the green, and there were I believe ten of us that volunteered to hold there. So while the pressure plates had to be held, we had to hold against other zombies to protect her from getting tagged. But the ritual was to unpossess her, right? The ritual was to start the process. Okay. Um, there was a secondary thing, which comes right. into play. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's right. So we're defending um, Wilhelmina Walnut, and we have... Um, There was one or two regular zombies, and then there was a charger, which the charger mechanic uh, at Grove City is when they unstun, um, when they respawn, they charge in a straight line. And once they stop charging, once they reach a impassable barrier, then they become a regular zombie. So once they're done charging, you have to actually shoot them or they can start eating brains. Um, and in addition to that, there was also a Banshee, which the Banshee, uh, is a zombie sock ninja essentially. Um, and so they, the Banshee had some socks and could also pick up socks that uh, you used on them. Um, now luckily the Banshee was, um, susceptible to small ammo. So, uh, we spent probably 20 minutes because of the timer resetting on the pressure plate mission, um, dealing with the charger and the Banshee and the one or two regular zombies that they had. <laughs> I did, I, I immensely enjoyed this mission, but I did kind of feel bad for Sam who, who was playing the, uh, the Banshee. Oh, I, I, yeah, that was rough. <laughs> Cause we just how many had, bags i dumped uh let's see i had i had nine left so i dumped 16 mags at him <laughs> over the course of this mission because he was a susceptible to regular darts so he would come up and 
you know, I was running the FDL, so I don't have pinpoint accuracy, but if I went full auto and lobbed four or five darts at him, one of them was pretty much guaranteed to hit him. Uh, he was probably what, 30, 40 yards away? Probably like 30. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had enough range that if I, I slightly arced, um, and, and sent four or five darts at him, I was pretty much guaranteed to get at least one tag. So we would wait for him to come up and I'd launch a, you know, quarter of a mag at him and he'd go back down and he did get some play time. Um, he started using the charger as a meat shield because yep. that player was a lot bigger than him. <laughs> yep. And then, and then what was your strategy with Oh, him? so I, after a while, we, we were realizing that the Banshee had a pile of socks out in the, the green where they would respawn and they were picking up our socks whenever we would use them because at one point a volatile came and joined them and a volatile only being susceptible to mega and socks. We were using socks on them. Um, and so we realized that, you know, we, we kind of all had this moment of like, oh, we've got to figure out how to starve him because they're starting to be smarter and the socks are getting a little closer to us when he throws them. Uh, so I looked at Cody and Tom and I said, hey, guys, do you want to do something real dumb? Uh, I think, Tom, you protested a little bit about that and then realized it was a legitimate question. Um, and my idea was that the next time that they charged us for... Cody and Tom and any other one who is a faster player to kind of flank them and steal their socks while they were getting shot by us before they could go back and respawn. Yeah. Uh, and it seemed to go very perfect. I think Tom, you were the one who actually went and grabbed the socks, weren't you? Yeah. Well, because the second they like finished their counter and they charged, I ran the other way and curved around them and got their stuff. Yeah. And at that point, we we could have probably starved the Banshee entirely of socks had we had the wherewithal to only use Mega. But I think some of us were neither didn't have Mega or still committed to being a sock ninja. And so we kept using them. So this Banshee kind of always had like one to three socks on them. Um, but they were, it was much less of a threat knowing that they couldn't just go back and scoop up more. You know what? Cody wasn't with us, I don't think, because wasn't he down? No, Cody, Cody the... was uh, about to come back around. Yeah, he was by yeah, the pressure Cody, plates because he comes Cody back had, up at this point. Cody had come up at that point when I had the idea because he was standing there uh, next to me. Okay. Um, but yeah, Cody had been running, like, in addition to organizing the whole mission, he had basically been running point the whole mission, like, literally running between the pressure plates and us. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Because at that point, we like, we really had the zombie like our hold mission on lock um and some of them started coming towards us and we're like no don't you know you're just going to bring more zombie or more specials and more zombies at us um you know let's um you know go go deal go find because the second part of this mission was um to collect four baking ingredients there was milk, egg, sugar, and flour out hidden. And we, after we finished, um, we needed to go find, after we finished the hold, we needed to go find those four ingredients. Um, so we sent them to go find those in advance. And then um, once we finished the hold, then they were able to um, pick up the, the ingredients and bring them back to the hold point. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll turn this into a two-parter. Um, we'll, we'll come back. Uh, 
for a recap of the second half, uh, which would be missions three and four and final stand. No, this is mission three we're talking about. So mission four and final stand and overall thoughts. But um, so I guess we'll move on to shout outs then, right? Who's Do got it. who's got a shout out? Uh, I'll shout out Brain for, for holding stairs with me, being stair buddies. Alex? Uh, I'm going to have to shout out Cody for just like the leadership and the like yeah. go hard all day long. He got best he, human for that. He got best human and he earned it. Like mission three would not have been successful for the humans had it not been for him. Yep. Um, I am going to shout out, um, France Foamworks, who has, um, just backed Grove City's club, uh, at every step. Um, you know, they're, they were responsible for helping get the big names that were out there, like Captain Xavier and Maritime Foam, Containment Crew, uh, Galactic Creations, who is the designer of the Hobby Shots. Um, so uh, they really have you know, given uh, Mike and his team a lot of support and help. Um, and it was a very big event for them. And in no small part, uh, thanks to France Homeworks, um, which, and they're just great guys. Like we hung out with them uh, Sunday before leaving town and um, I just really enjoy, um, you know, them being in the hobby and, and, and chumming around with us and whatnot, um, which I guess leads me to, um, I'll probably mention this in the next episode as well, but uh, one of the things they do on their website, their store is a subscription box and uh, they're getting ready to do box three for the year. But in box four, there will be a Detroit Dart Talk patch for anybody who purchases their subscription box. So we will be featured in box four. So um, you can check that out on France phone. I think it's just francefoneworks.com. I think it is. Let me verify. Yep, francefoamworks.com. Um, you know, like I said, they're doing book or box three, but box four, once that comes out in a couple months, we'll be uh, featuring our our patch. So, uh, Tom? Hashtag free stuff. Hashtag free stuff. We're gonna cut right there, right? Yep, we'll cut right there, yeah. and then okay, right, yeah. there. right here. You're right here. How about here? Right no. here, right here. No, 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 no. Right here, right here, right here. Okay, back, back right it up here. ten seconds. Did he I love? I always love this stream. bit because it's just like we give we give Tim so many opportunities to cut it in. Yeah. I could stream the auto for cursed quality, <laughs> but I'm not going to. <laughs> That's um, part of the April Fool's joke. <laughs>